that we feel like the Lord has led us in there as well. And then just want to keep you updated on where we are financially as a church body and how God continues to provide for us there. So that's kind of the big picture agenda of where we're going. But the, the main idea here is that the Lord has really done some neat things to lead and guide this church body. And we're excited to share that with you. So with that being said, I'm going to let Jason kick us off. All right. So Todd said we had a big agenda, and what you didn't hear him say was, and Jason's still got to go, so we need to hurry. <laughs> and, I'm, and I am going to try to hurry. I've, I've got everything on slides, so I'm going to be going pretty quick because there's just so much to cover in so little time. Um, first of all, a couple quick things. You know, I know first there's signs out here, and then there were kids upstairs. <sighs> Then we had to sign in, and now there's a foyer decorated like a theme park. So I know there's some, probably some questions like, what in the world's going on? Are we going to get that world picture back and that big clock back in the foyer? And yes, we are. So uh, don't be dismayed. Um, and we're going to get to what. But first, I want to talk just a little bit about why. Matter of fact, I'm going to talk a little more about why than what, because I think that's more important. And I think we have to understand why we're doing what we're doing, and then what we're doing will make sense. So, first of all, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, and I've, I've paraphrased it a little, so don't get mad, but they're still the words of Scripture. These words, which the Lord commands, those are the words, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, walk by the way, lie down, and rise up. You might notice something about this, and that's this. You, as a parent, are the only one that's there. <laughs> When you're sitting in your house, walking by the way, lying down and rising up. And that's very much who this is to. Um, another one, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So this is something that God has called parents to. And so us as, as the church have to take very seriously what he's entrusted each of us to. So this is what he's entrusted uh, parents to, and that's the, to be the primary disciples of their children. Uh, this job's too important for others to do. Um, and so God's called parents to this job, and we want to help parents to be that. Uh, God's called the church to go make disciples, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us. Uh, Ephesians 4, he gave some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service. And so that's, that's what, within the church, there's teachers, there's pastors, there's those of us that, that God has called to equip everyone to be able to fulfill their, their roles that he's given them, the calling that he's given them. So he's called parents to disciple their children. He's called teachers and pastors to equip parents and children. And he's called the church to corporate discipleship with one another. We're all supposed to be fulfilling what each one lacks until we build each other up to the fullness of Christ, to maturity, right? And so that's what God's called us to. Quick perspective here. Average church only has 40 hours in a given year to influence a life. These dots represent about 40 hours. That's not a whole lot. If the church was in charge of the full discipleship of your children, I would be very, very concerned, as well should you, uh, because discipleship is certainly a lot more than 40, and let's say on a, on a higher level, 80 hours in a year. A parent, on the other hand, has an average of 3,000 hours per year to influence a life. So let me ask you, if you are thinking about the good of children and how to raise them up in the Lord, in light of this, where would you put most of your resources? How about the 3,000 hours? Kind of an obvious one, right? Uh, and so, so we're taking that serious, and, and we want to put our resources there into parents. So we're looking at doing a, fa a family equipping ministry. So, and, and just imagine the impact if parents in the church strategically align themselves for an intentional partnership, not haphazard, the church over here doing its thing, the parents doing this thing, and maybe they talk every once in a while or have a family meeting, which this is fantastic. But if this is all there is that connects, we probably have some, some challenges that we've got to face. Uh, but what if we were all working together to raise up the next generation in Christ? Can you imagine the impact that would be had with your children, with this church, in Lubbock and in the world? Great potential for amazing impact. 
And so with this family equipping ministry, there's going to be a shift. And I know you're going to be thinking, what are these? This, I'm going to look at each one of these. So it's going to be a shift from doing to being, from expecting to equipping, from assuming to acknowledging, from segmentation to synchronization. So from doing to being, it's not a program or curriculum that a church does. I know we're introducing a new curriculum. It's not the answer. I'll just tell you right now. There's no curriculum that's an answer. A curriculum is merely a tool. So if it was all about a curriculum, it'd be about a program. It'd be about doing, but it's not. It's about us having an accurate expression of our identity in Christ as we obey God's calling for each of us, for parents, for the church at large. That's what it's about. From expecting to equipping, not expecting the parents to know how to disciple their children, which is there's a job of equipping to be done. So instead reshaping existing ministries in order to facilitate equipping parents to be the primary disciple makers of their children, to equip and to empower. Not assuming parents already know what to do in discipleship. That's a challenging thing, a challenging thing that I've faced, and I have an awful lot of resources available to me, and still a challenging thing. And acknowledging the parent's role by intentionally over-communicating that role in every opportunity over-communicating how they can do it and, and giving them resources to do it so that they're empowered to, to carry out discipleship. Not segmenting activities that continually pull families apart. If you'll notice, there can be a pattern of every time we come to the church, which might be a whole lot of times, everybody goes their own way. And there can come a time when you're actually competing with the family for a time that they need together, particularly in the busy world we live in right now. And so we want to move from segmenting to reshaping these activities that, that they would involve training, uh, that they would involve parents more, and that they would intentionally equip parents to carry out their role at home. So these are just shifts, and they're shifts that are in keeping with the identity of Melanie Park Church already. It's not something revolutionary new. It's in keeping with who we already are. It's trying to be more faithful with that expression. So the church, instead of replacing what should happen at home, which is a popular thing to happen in our culture, supplements and reinforces the faith training that occurs in Christian households. So we are serving and equipping and giving resources to help empower parents to faithfulness. Okay, but why? And we've got to be real careful here because what you can do is come to think that the family is the end of all this. Very inward focused, right? The end is my family and that we work right. The family's not where it ends, it's where it begins. Uh, we're equipping families to carry out the mission of God. The mission of God is what we're looking to accomplish. To take the gospel to neighbors, to schools, to co-workers, to Little League, and to all of the world. It's for us to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. For us as family units to be serving together and carrying out the mission of God. So we're equipping families to carry out the mission of God together. So how? Well, we know what Romans says and we believe that. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It's the power of God that's going to do that through his spirit. And it's the gospel that's to be taken out. That's the mission of God. Every great story begins with a voice giving shape to darkness. A storyteller speaking characters into existence, and it's good. In fact, it's perfect. Enter the villain, one who wishes to change the story, to bring death to mankind, to unmake the storyteller's good world. Our inciting incident, where everything goes wrong, the villain tells the characters they can create their own story, and they believe the lie. Death is sentenced, and the characters are enslaved. The villain is triumphant. But all is not lost. The storyteller is not idle. He has a plan. But it will take time and sacrifice. The people face extinction. Yet they are not swept away. They face death, but a substitute is given. They face captivity, and the storyteller provides their escape. Yet they remain chained by the villain. But a promise is made. 
serpent is lifted high on a staff and brings healing. An unlikely king frees his people. From an ocean tomb comes a message of life, hints of a great rescuer, and then nothing. The story goes quiet. The people fear the storyteller has forgotten his promise. The storyteller enters the story. He heals the sick, brings hope to the captive. He loves the unlovable. The villain plots his vengeance. He strikes, and the hero's life is given for his people. is sacrificed. The people are again free, and the hero emerges from his tomb. He gathers his people and sends them out as storytellers. More believe. Their numbers grow. One story told over thousands of years. My story. Your story. His story. This is the Gospel Project. We've learned about creation 56 times. Uh, there's, there's kind of a lot more important stuff in Scripture than just those uh, couple of dozen big stories. And the fact is, is if you do haphazardly go through, that tends to happen. Or the restarting of new curriculums over and over and over. Where at the end, you've haphazardly gotten to, I don't know what, after 15 years. And so the purpose of a curriculum is to say, we've got 15 years. What exactly do we want to teach in that 15 years? And to put it all together so that we can have confidence at the end of that, that we've been faithful. And so that's how a a curriculum serves a church in its educational ministries. Uh, a few words about the Gospel Project, particularly as it pertains to children at first. Um, and yes, it is coming soon. <laughs> uh, thanks, Todd. Hey, and I went right. It wasn't Hebrew after all. So, The Gospel Project, it goes from Genesis to Revelation, first of all, in a three-year cycle. So it will focus on the Gospel of Jesus and how everything looks forward to Christ, because Christ was the fulfillment of all Scripture. And it's, it's done in one chronological story so that the redemptive plan of God and this grand narrative of God's redemptive purposes are explained throughout the course of three years. And it's true to the scriptures. And I'll tell you this, that might not, I mean, I know that's a big deal, but trust me, curriculum writers write most all curriculum, just so you know. And most of it ends up being moralistic deism at best. So how to teach kids how to behave. It's not gospel-centered, it's not Christ-centered, and rarely is it true to Scripture. This is not the case with this particular uh, curriculum. You had pastors, you have theologians who are working with specialists in children's education to partner together for a great curriculum. And, and it was hard, I'll tell you this, it was hard to find three that were true to Scripture, just to be honest. Three to evaluate, very hard to find. Um, And it's all mission-oriented because that is an appropriate application to the gospel is to go and and proclaim. The gospel project in classroom, there's both a Sunday school and a children's church. They coordinate and they reinforce and build upon one another. Uh, There's really dynamic teaching mediums, which for children, particularly in a technology-saturated age, is very important. Attention spans are a little bit smaller and there needs to be continual change. There are videos, game, there's videos that open up some questions. There's a video that tells the story. There's games, there's small group, there's large group where the videos happen. There's music, uh, not only regular worship music, but also music that's tailored to the lessons that reinforce those lessons. And there's activities. This is each day they have these things, each class, each time. Uh, There are key scripture and lesson cards that come home for review, and those are nice cards. And they have the overview of the lesson, how it applies to, how it looks forward to Christ, and a key passage for memorization. 
those go home. But there's a whole lot more because partnership looks more than those cards going home. Because, you know, you get those pages and those are your floor mats for the week, typically. Uh, if you're anything like my family, anyway. Um, so as for teachers, there's, it's an incredible resource. It's web, there's web-accessible lessons. Teachers will have their own login. They can log in, pull their lessons up anytime they want. If they want to prepare three months in advance, no problem. You can do that, which means you're not connected to trying to get Christy. Oh, hey, can we get this? Let's exchange. None of that. It's all on the web. Uh, there's clear instructions for teachers. It's so clear, in fact, that the elders were actually concerned that people would not prepare at all because it is that detailed and that, uh, that user-friendly, which is nice. And obviously our teachers will prepare much beyond that. But it's nice to have that resource. It's nice to, to, to have every bit of every, every minute of class time worked out in the curriculum. Uh, extensive online teacher training, and we're going on pace with the Gospel Project, which means we're getting updated training all the time. So all kinds of opportunity to get training online for these uh, lessons. Uh, it's a unified curriculum for preschool, K through second, and third through fifth in three-year cycles. But the curriculum expands and becomes more age-appropriate. One of the things that we've forgotten, we, as Americans, we, we like trivia a lot. So we think if we've learned something, we don't need to learn that again. Let's go on to something new. Well, the reality is that we need to be stirred by way of remembrance. And remembrance is one of the primary principles of a real education, is that we would be relearning and reinforcing. And so a three-year cycle works really well. Uh, and so you have it that's uh, customized to three different de developmental stages also, there's many uh, projects. There are also uh, many um, materials for you at home. There's a gospel storybook Bible, two levels for preschool and for older kids. There's an iPad and iPhone app that's amazing. It has five uh, devotions that a family can go through every week that relate specifically to that lesson. There's games. There's coloring things. There's activities. There's videos. You can watch the videos from the lessons. There's songs that relate to it, and there's a family journal at the end of the week that you would do together, and these only take about 10 minutes a day. So a real resource to help you that reinforces what we're doing here that connects you to that. Um, also, online parent and teacher support. There's stuff for parents that you can go online and learn how to better train and instruct your kids. I didn't want to do that. So we are going to pre-launch this summer. Uh, we looked at w the way it was we could get a 10% discount if we went at the pace with the Gospel Project, which means we'll be with thousands of other churches going through the same curriculum, which I think is kind of neat. Um, they happen to be starting in Nehemiah this summer, which when I told Mark that, he was like, well, I guess we better start then. Um, and, and it's going to get to the Gospel. So our first launch will be actually the New Testament. So that's where we're going to start, which is a nice starting place. It's not that bad at all. Uh, we do need summer teachers. Uh, and with those teachers, I challenge you parents to be a part of that. The great thing about summer teaching is it's short-term. You go sign up for a teaching date or a couple teaching dates. So this is a great chance to get a look at it, to try it out without being committed for nine months. And maybe the Lord will move in your heart, and maybe you would want to. We are making some changes there, too. Um, Volunteer experience. We're making some changes, and these are the changes. No one serves alone. We serve in the context of community. Training. Everyone will be equipped. There will be no good luck, here's your stuff, have a good one. See you in nine months. Uh, support. All's gonna, all people will be developed. There will be evaluations, and you'll be de being developed. Uh, care. And I should have put no one misses more than three services because in, the, in a five-week month, maybe you could miss three services. But we've had people that have served for nine months and never come to a service. That won't happen again. We'll have kids in here with us before that happens again because that doesn't show care. So uh, there's not going to be any of that. And we praise and laud those who made such sacrifice, and it's a great sacrifice. So we appreciate that, but it's not going to happen anymore. So this is an important part of development, and if we're going to take care of our volunteers, then we've got to make sure it does it. Uh, also structure. We've created classroom management processes and a great structure so to, to facilitate better order in classrooms uh, and partnership. A lot of the changes we made out here is to put parents and teachers together with their students so there, there can be some connections. So 
and all the resources that it gives for better for parental uh, involvement. So join us and sign up now for the summer. There's sign-ups outside here. Yes, I'm running out of time. I want to speak briefly about students, but I'll be speaking more about students as we get close to the fall. Uh, it's a three-year cycle of four components, biblical overview, systematic theology, biblical theology, and gospel grid, which is worldview and apologetics. Pretty awesome. Uh, there's also an adult curriculum that parallels it, which is neat. Um, the goal, to marry systematic and biblical theology so that students continually go through the gospel in the context of Scripture's grand narrative of redemption. So you see the theme continuing on. Student ministry's already started. They've been doing this for the past year, but it's going to relaunch this fall, and you'll hear more about that in the uh, coming months. That's it. Three minutes over. Sorry, Todd, and thank you guys very much. <laughs> Well, we are excited. We think this is great news. We have great anticipation about what the Lord's done. Um, I will say we're grateful for what Jason's done, but we need to um, make sure you understand the foundation <coughs> has been laid. There's a long legacy of faithfulness in this church. And Byron Tapp and Cindy Park in particular are two people who have laid the groundwork, so we're kind of standing on their shoulders. So we're going to continue that legacy, and this is what the new season of ministry looks like. And we think the Lord has great things in store for us, so we're excited. But it doesn't end there. We have some things happening with missions, too. So, Matt Wade, if you want to come share those with us. Thanks, Todd. Good morning. Howdy. I'll make all of y'all Aggies yet. Um, I have the uh, enviable task this morning of giving you an update with uh, our missions committee. Um, one of the things that we emphasize here at Melanie Park, which I think rightfully so, and was even referenced by um, Jason, is, of course, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where we are able to go out and make disciples of all nations. So that is obviously the overriding mission of the missions committee. And with that, let me get my arrows right, this is our missions committee. These are the people who serve and volunteer and help guide our church through going out and making disciples of all nations. That's myself, Jan Whitaker, um, Tom Cady, Bonnie Hardy, Larry Nancy Brackett, and who's not on here but who is our great and fearless leader is Mark Hardy. So I'm going to leave this slide up here for a minute. I want you all to look at those names and what, while I'm talking. If anything comes up, any questions, anything about missions, we're the people to come see. We want you to come see us. We want you to talk to us about what your thoughts are about missions. With that said, what exactly do we emphasize? What do we look for in our missionaries? What do we want them to go out and do? And we have a few things that we emphasize in our church policy um, and on the missions committee that we look for when people are going to go out into the world. We're looking for church planning, church strengthening, discipleship, and that, of course, discipleship is a pretty broad topic. That can include everything, including leadership training, Evangelism, and one of those things that might be included in evangelism would be Bible translation. Can you imagine, is there a better evangelical tool than the Bible itself? Absolutely not, right? That is the key tool. So, as a missions committee, those are the things that we emphasize, and those are what we're looking for when people leave here from our church and go out and serve as missionaries throughout the world. So... Who are our current long-term missionaries? Y'all have seen these names before. We just had a missions emphasis weekend back in February, and you met many of these people, and I'm just going to go through these slides real quick. These are the people whose pictures are on the wall. And let me just go ahead and tell you one of the things that I, one of my goals this morning to tell, talk to the church family is what I want to do is see more pictures on the wall, Okay. That's one of the things that we want to, to do is increase this group right here. So we have David and Connie Jacobus. They were here. David taught at the men's conference this year. Kat, Gary and Kathy Morris, y'all can see where they serve, so I'm not going to go through that. Chase and Erica Payne, Eddie and Verona Mullison, Chuck and Carla Topp, Jim and Ellen Walker, Alex and Liz Pantoja, um, and that's 
Alex and Liz are a neat thing because they started off with from Chuck and Carla Top back down in Mexico. So it's sort of a second generation going out, which is a neat thing to do. John Walkup, Doug right here, Doug and Sherry McAlpine, um, David Gomez, and Keegan and Terry Williamson. Okay, those are our long-term missions. Those are the people who have gone out and they're doing one of the things that I was talking about before, church planning, discipleship, evangelism, one of those things that they've gone out to do. Do we only have long-term missions? No. As you know, we have short-term missions as well. All right? The short-term missions are people who are here who, who want to kind of get exposure to um, what it's like to be a missionary, what it's like to be in the mission field, people who, because of their jobs, aren't able to take off for a long period of time but do have a calling, we still want to emphasize in our short-term missions those same things that I talked about before, the church planning, church strengthening, and so forth. That's still what we look for as far as what we want people to go out on short-term missions for. All of this is still covered by the missions committee, okay? What I want to emphasize to you this morning, as we want to increase the number of pictures that are on that wall, please understand that this is a partnership. This is something that we want to do together as a church family. This is something where we sit down with you, the missions committee, the elders, our church leaders, we sit down with you if you get this calling and come talk to us. If you have any, any desire, any sort of tickling in the heart, if you will, to explore the possibility of going out on a long-term mission, understand that we just you don't come and say, I want to do this, and we go, there you go, boom, thanks. This is a partnership. We work with you. If you recall when Doug was here talking to us earlier, um, and he asked that same question, if that was something that, that, that sort of came up inside of you that you're interested in doing, come see us on the missions committee. We want to be a resource. We want to be, as Doug talked about, that community that gets together with you, works with you, talks with you, prays for you, prays with you about this idea of going out from our church on a long-term mission. This is a family thing. This is something that we want to partner with you for. So please understand that, that it's going to be something to where you're going to get support from us. We love the idea of having all these people go out that have a foundation here at Melanie Park and have gotten the calling to go out to the world and make disciples among all nations. Isn't that really cool? That we actually, they have a connection with us and we're looking for the next generation as far as long-term missions go. So please, please come and see the missions committee. With that said, you know, we recognize that there are multiple opportunities um, and as while we want long-term missions, people to go out among the nations, we can't ignore what we have right here. And one of the things that, that, that is fascinating and interesting about, that I find, about being here in Lubbock, Texas, and about this church, is all centered, we all know, even though I joked about trying to make all y'all Aggies, we all know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. I feel like I'm back in a courtroom and I have to sit there and roam around. Um, my apologies. Um, one of the cool things about Lubbock, Texas, and even though I'm an Aggie, I, we all know that one of the huge centers is Texas Tech University. Many of um, y'all already work with and um, a mission, have a mission to the international students. Well, we want to expand that, and we're thinking about expanding that as a church body. It's something that we want to do. Because there's some really, really interesting facts here. Did you know that the U.S. State Department currently estimates that 25% of the world's leaders are currently enrolled in universities in the United States? Here at Tech, we have over 1,600 students and scholars, and they're actively recruiting more and more people to come to tech from the international community. The sad part about that is, though, when these international students come, they also estimate that over 70% never step inside a home here in the United States, have the personal contact. 
think about that. If you were an international student going abroad, you're going to be homesick. You're entering into a new culture. You don't know anybody. Nothing. It is a great opportunity to show our love and care for all of God's children. And the fact of the matter is, if we can't go out, if, you don't, if the tickling isn't to go out to the world, guess what? The Lord has brought the world to us. Right? So this is a wonderful opportunity for us to sit there and take advantage of what the Lord has provided to us. So, with that said, I've already gone through some of this. Um, with that said, we are also going to be emphasizing um, the international student mission here in Lubbock, Texas. There will be um, more information about that. There will be a meeting this summer. Um, and so don't be surprised if you get, a, a, again, if you get that feeling, if you're praying about it and you're feeling led to sit there and be involved with the international students, it would be wonderful for us to serve as host families for international students and for to increase our the uh, evangelical message to the people that the Lord has brought to us, in addition to going out to the world. So, I'm concluding now, and here's what I want you to be left with. We want to have long-term missionaries from Melanie Park to go out into the world to make disciples among the nations. If you get any, if you already have, or if you do it sometime in the future, if you have that desire and that feeling down inside of you, come and see the missions committee. We are a family. We partnership together. We'll hold each other accountable. We will support. That's what we do here at Melanie Park, and that's what the missions committee does. The other thing that I want you to think about is this opportunity with international students. Again, if you don't feel like you can go abroad, but you want to be involved, that will be a wonderful opportunity for us as a church body to bring God's message to the international world staying right here in Lubbock, Texas. So, thank you very much. I hope you see the connection. If student and children's ministry was the end in and of itself, we would have failed. Um, it is the beginning, the launching point, to send out people to the uttermost parts of the world. And so our missions uh, program is deeply connected to our children's and student ministry. It's a part of the, the heart of who we are as a body. So I want you to see that connection very clearly. Um, with that being said, I'm going to let uh, Jeff come up and talk to us about finances. So, Good morning. Um, they uh, decided to uh, save the most exciting part of this and uh, have an accountant come and deliver it. Um, so... Uh, uh, bear with me, please. But, uh, um, you know, as part of this, with these exciting changes, um, there is a uh, financial aspect to that and a budgetary aspect to that that we have to consider. And so we thought, uh, the Finance Committee thought this would be a good time to discuss the current uh, finances and budget of the church. And... Um, well, as this uh, slide indicates, the uh, church budget for 2013 was $615,000. Um, because of a decrease in uh, giving um, in the latter part of 2013, the elders felt and the finance uh, committee agreed that it would be a good idea to lower the budget um, for 2014. Um, so, uh, you know, we looked at uh, various areas and we decided what areas uh, could be reduced and uh, we uh, made changes and adjustments uh, to that where feasible. And uh, this resulted in a, redu a, a reduced budget uh, for uh, 2014 of uh, $584,000, which is a $31,000 reduction from the prior year. Um, the budget cuts are uh, primarily coming from uh, what we would normally add to reserve accounts. In other words, just in non-accounting terms, into a savings account. Um, it's just a separate reserve account that we have, that has been set up to meet um, budget shortfalls um, or if we have uh, special projects that come along that are outside the normal budget. Um, so there, there's a reduction in that. Um, also, there have been cuts in the uh, pastoral staff expenses and reductions in the budget for the mu uh, music and youth departments. Um, 
So through the, um, uh, though the budget has been reduced where feasible, the budgeted giving, uh, giving, which is based on the last six months of 2013, will result this year um, in a deficit of $52,000 if the giving uh, continues based on what has uh, what happened in the last six months of 2013. Um, uh, you know, as you know, this staff does an incredible job of trying to minimize and reduce expenses where possible. And um, they, you know, I have just been on the finance committee for a while, but it seems like they have been consistently below budget um, in prior years. And that's just a testament to their desire just to uh, be uh, good stewards of uh, God's money. And, um, and they have done a tremendous job of that. But... Um, with these reductions uh, that have already been made and considering the fact that the current budget doesn't have any extra fat built into it, I mean, this is a slim budget. Um, and there's no fat in it. And um, really the only way that, um, that this can be, uh, this uh, shortfall or this deficit can be made up is through giving. Um, you know, and I realize this sounds ominous and, and difficult and it is definitely serious, but, um, I want to talk to you about some of the things that have been put in place to manage this that were put in place in the past. Um, a few years ago, the Finance Committee, with the uh, support of the elders, decided to start setting aside 10% uh, of the annual budget um, would be set aside uh, for, uh, from the surpluses for times like these. And um, they would be added to these reserve accounts um, um, you know, in the event that, uh, you know, there's, as I said, a special ministry project or we had a year where giving was down. Um, the amount that's currently in that fund is $60,000. And last year in 2013, we actually had a surplus of 28000 So you add those two together, the contingency reserve account is uh, currently sitting at $88,000. Um, the Finance Committee recommended and the elders uh, agreed that... Um, the use of these, uh, the, these uh, reserve fund um, would be necessary this year based on the current level of giving. So we're going to be dipping into that savings account or that reserve fund to make up for these shortfalls. And, um, you know, obviously this takes away the emergency uh, situation. I, you know, if we didn't have this reserve fund, this would be a serious situation. We'd really be having to consider further budget cuts and uh, other reductions. But because of, uh, you know, these reserves that have been built up, we have a safety net built in. So the uh, obvious question now is what do we do? Um, first, the budget adjustments that have already been made, along with the use of the contingency reserve funds, re uh, removes the immediate need for extreme measures, fortunately. And the staff, the finance committee, the elders will keep a close watch on giving and expenses and uh, we will report back to you over at the end of the next two quarters of where we are currently. Um, second, the staff has been and will continue to work hard at controlling expenses. They've always done this and they do a tremendous job, as I said. And they'll work to stay below the budget, the reduced budget, while making sure that the ministry efforts are not hindered or changed in any significant way. Um, finally, based on the numbers we have just discussed, uh, we believe that just a, a mere 10 to 12 percent increase in giving and monthly giving um, would have uh, the, uh, uh, this increase in giving would allow us to meet our obligations and con uh, continue to operate as we are accustomed to. The le this level of giving will also help us preserve our contingency reserves, these funds, these savings accounts for other needs and opportunities as they arise. You know, just from a, a personal standpoint, um, I know it can be difficult to give. And, you know, I think sometimes in my own mind, I think, well, you know, you know if there's a shortfall, you know, maybe I'll, I'll push off the giving. And uh, we can do that in another month. But I just encourage each of you just to pray about this and let the Spirit guide you in. Are there, are, do you have the capacity to give more? And... Um, also, could you give on a consistent basis? You know, that's, that's also, you know, in terms of budgeting and planning, this is accountant coming out to me. It's, uh, you know, to get those consistent funds coming in 
makes it easier to budget and plan. So I would just pray that, uh, that you would pray and ask uh, the, the Spirit to guide you in that. Uh, can you increase your giving? Can you give, uh, you know, on a consistent basis? You know, one thing that we do that I think makes it easier, and it's a good reminder, is we have it set up through our bank uh, for automatic bill pay. You know, uh, you can set up like your utilities, your, your, telephone, your telephone bill, insurance, to, be, uh, to come up automatically if you have internet banking. And um, this will pop up. You uh, can check the button that, yes, that's what I want to give. And the bank will actually send out that check. And uh, it's a good way to do it. You know, sometimes you get here, you forgot your checkbook, and, uh, um, or you just don't think about it. And so that's a good way to remind it. That's just one of the things. And we've looked at different, uh, you know, there's obviously there's, you know, boring stuff here, but electronic funds transferred uh, that can be set up. That's an expense to the bank. Um, so we will be careful about doing that because every transaction that happens, there's a reduction. The bank takes out an, uh, you know, an amount for that transaction. But if there was enough uh, desire for that, that's uh, certainly something we would look into. So if, if that's something that you feel strongly about, please get in contact with me or one of the other uh, finance committee members, and we would certainly look at that. Um, along with this, and obviously, as Matt had talked about, uh, uh, our budget has an impact on missionary giving. Um, the uh, missionary giving is based on the overall budget. And so we want to uh, get you up to date on our giving in terms of our mission programs. Um, the uh, total anticipated missionary support and related item uh, needs for 2014 is uh, a little over $80,000. Of that amount, 58000 of it, it comes from the general budget. It's just 10% of what our budget is. So if we have, uh, you know, the, the $580,000 budget, we're going to get... Uh, 58,000 of that is going to go towards mission skipping. So that leaves a balance of $22,000 that we need to make up, um, you know, for special projects and other uh, things that come around. And this uh, generally comes from personal commitments and extra giving that this body gives throughout the year. Um, the, uh, based on the total budget, we would need about 1850 per month to make up this gap. And currently, year-to-date, we're sitting at about $1,125 per month. But uh, just as an encouragement, I wanted to remind you all that just last year, uh, the Missions uh, Committee, uh, Mark got up here and talked about, um, Mark or Matt talked about, uh, you know, several different ways of giving and uh, some opportunities that we had with our missionaries. And as always, this, uh, this body uh, acted in a very um, significant way. Um, those extra gifts just last year totaled $35,000, which is tremendous. And um, this year we see the need that uh, we need to focus on missions movement in terms of funding so that we can bring the, give, uh, the giving level back up to meet the current need. Um, additionally, we also have a contingency fund, very similar to the fund that we have just in the general budget, um, to handle shortfalls in missions giving for a while. But Obviously, the, the desire for this is for um, extra projects or extra, um, extra uh, missionary opportunities that come around, um, short-term uh, ministry exposures and other outreach opportunities. We would like to use that fund for that and uh, continue to add to that as uh, additional opportunities come around. Um, as you know, over the years, the name Faith Promise or Faith Commitment has been used to, to describe a manner of giving individually to this fund. The reason this method has been used over the years is that we don't want the number of missionaries that we send out to be determined by the size of the church or its budget. If he raises them up, we want to be able to send them out. Um, faith promise simply means we ask the Lord to impress upon us an amount to give, and as he provides it, we give it. We trust uh, him by faith to speak to our hearts, and we by faith give what he provides. In conclusion, there are two things uh, that we know for sure. We know that God has always provided for the budgetary needs of this church and for the support of its missionaries. He's always, he always comes through. We know that. We view the surpluses when available and the weekly offering, offerings uh, as being provided by the Lord through his people. He is faithful who has called us to be part of this family of believers. May we be faithful to seek his heart to be the light in this dark world and give ourselves and our resources as he leads.
Um, I was going to throw up this. Uh, th these are the members of the Finance Committee. You've got myself and uh, Brian Borthwick and Chuck Eaton, uh, and uh, Mark is uh, heavily involved in this too. So if you do have any questions on this, you know, there's a lot of numbers thrown at you. Please feel free to come and talk to us. We'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. If you have suggestions or ideas, we'd love to listen to those, and we will definitely consider those. But I just uh, ask that and pray that you would consider um, the needs of this church and be praying about that and thinking about that. Thank you. We're going to wrap things up. Just want to emphasize to you uh, some of the things that we've been talking about, the curriculum changes and, and those sorts of things. Just for your understanding, those in no way increased any of our budget. And in fact, the new curriculum is actually less than what we were pre previously using. So it actually reduced our expenses as it relates to children's and student ministry. So we want to be good stewards. We feel like the Lord's led us to a place where we can do that uh, and still move into this new season of ministry. The other thing that I wanted to bring your attention to, if you haven't had a chance to go onto our new website, I encourage you to do so. Because a lot of the things that we're talking about involve uh, several different activities and things that are happening within our church body. And historically, we as a staff have not done a very good job of maintaining the information on our website so that it was usable for you. So we've changed uh, who we uh, have hosting our website. Um, we have a much better ability through this new website to edit and keep things up to date um, for you. And so we're telling you about this because we want you to go here to find information that might be useful. Um, this is our front page. You'll see a rotating window of uh, current events. To the right there, you'll see the kind of upcoming events in the most recent dates. Down here are children, students, small groups, latest sermons, those all take you to those specific pages where you can get more information about those areas. There's a couple of things that I want to uh, highlight for you. If you go into news and events, you're going to have a drop-down menu. It'll take you either to, you can go to church calendar, which is just a calendar view, and it has the items there, or you can go to an event listing. It's basically a way to get the same information but in two different formats. Here's the event listing. So you can kind of see in date order the things that are going on. And so on any one of these, you can then go in and say, oh, I want to know a little bit more about this, uh, uh, this event on the 27th, the welcome class. And so here's some more information that will pop up. Obviously, uh, different um, activities will have different information in terms of uh, how much uh, is there. Um, and so you can go there. The church calendar essentially does the same thing, uh, but in a calendar view. And so you'll see these things listed on here. And then you can click on any one of these and find out details about that specific event. The other thing that might be of interest to you, we've always had our sermons archived. And so you can go to the website and you'll be able to find uh, all the sermons that are up here. And we typically post those the day or two days after, Monday or Tuesday after Sunday. And so they're all there. You can actually sign up for a podcast that goes automatically uh, to uh, your device if that's something that you're interested in. The other thing that's new that we have on here um, as well, excuse me, is um, special events. And so if you go and click on special events, here we're going to have things that are not sermons but are things that we've had going on, like, for example, our Sunday Night Foundations of Faith. All of those are on there, and you can go access those online as well. If you look over here in the categories, um, you have family ministry, you have men's ministry. So when we record men's retreat speakers, last year's women's retreat speaker, all that's online now, and you can go access that. So if you're at the women's retreat and you need a reminder, you can go back. Or if you weren't there and you want to hear what was communicated, it's all available to you online through the site, and that's how you get to it. Um, the other thing that uh, is on here in terms of resources is um, right now media. You can see there's a link um, with some login information. This is a, a subscription that we have that allows you to go in and access through uh, your computer, your smart TV, uh, things that you might do as a small group. Um, these are Bible studies uh, that, that some... Of, of, like, for example, we have Reason for God 
that Tim Keller did. It's in our library, but it's also available through this uh, website that you can go to using this logon information and get it accessible um, right through your computer, your TV, in your home. So these are available to you as well. Those are resources. So I want you to just take some time in the next week or so. Go to the site. Take a look at what's here. Those are some of the highlights that I think are important for you to know about. We also have it set up because we know the main user of the site are people wanting to know information about our church. And so um, as you can see, when you go to um, About Us, it has our core value, mission, vision, elder governance, staff. Our doctrinal statement is all on there. Everything is accessible to the public to find out who we are as a church body, and they can uh, access it through this front page. So what that means to you is if you've got somebody who says, you know, I'd like to know more about your church, obviously we want you to express those things, but send them here too. Tell them that there's some good information on our website because we've tried to build it in such a way that it's useful for you as a member of our church body as well as visitors who might want to know about who we are as a church family. So I just wanted to point that out to you. And just in summary, uh, I said in the beginning, I want to reiterate that we believe that God has prepared good works ahead of time so that we can walk in them. And so what we're sharing with you is what he's done. And our desire is to be faithful to walk in a manner that honors him. And we're convinced because we prayed. We did it as a church, right? We prayed for these things, and we believe these are the answers to those prayers. And so we want you to know about how God has provided. We want you to be excited about what's in store. We want you to be involved in a part of what's happening as a, as a, as a church family because we believe in doing so we fulfill what we're called to be as a church body, making disciples and going out to the uttermost parts of the world. That's what we're here for. And so this is what we want you to know about how God is working in our church body to fulfill that mission. So we're grateful. With that, let me pray for us, and we'll be done and have church in a few minutes. God, thanks so much for the time this morning, and we do acknowledge that this is your work. Things that you've done ahead of time so that we can walk in them. And Father, you have been so faithful to provide and guide and we fully anticipate that you will be unchanging and continue to do so. Father, I pray that this strengthens our resolve as a church body to uh, walk in a manner worthy of you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So may we take what we've learned, may we celebrate it, may we pray about it, may we engage with it, in such a way that it fulfills your intended purpose to the praise and glory of your name. And it's in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray these things and say as a church family, amen. amen. We'll see you in a little bit.